This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Hi, this is Arjun. I've always loved to win, but I have found winning big puts all of us, especially in the corporate world, in a position where sustained win becomes very easy. And that's the reason Secrets to Win Big is really critical. In this podcast, I have the best seat in the house to bring to you conversations with leaders from all walks of life, from all over the world. And the reason it is very important is each one of us are different. Our starting point is different. Our finished journey is different. And that's the reason getting these nuggets from these leaders from all walks of life and different parts of the world are important. And in that spirit today, it is truly my honor and pleasure to share a conversation with Buddy Noel, an amazing human being, a great friend with great accomplishments. But the biggest thing, as I will share his bio and his accomplishments to you, is his journey and his different areas of accomplishment that Buddy has reached. But he's in his current role, he's the founder of the law firm, the Noel Law Office LLC. His past accomplishments in 1977, he became the first African-American partner among the 17th Street Law Firm in Denver. His past accomplishments include, he was the president and CEO of the Colorado Sports Council, a nonprofit community sports development corporation that put a lot of effort and made an impact in organizations sponsoring a number of national and international sports events and for bids for the national for the winter olympics games and the world cup soccer and after that buddy came back to the legal field and joined the sherman howard a large law firm in denver But the bigger accomplishment for Buddy also is that he takes every minute of his spare time in contributing and contributing big. And that's the part of the win big I really also want to emphasize today is the breadth of his board experience in all levels of education And I'm not going to details intentionally because I want to share with all of you the levels, those are there. The Colorado Economic Development Commission, the Colorado Regulation Review Commission, Greater Denver Chamber of Commerce, Greater Denver Corporation, the Colorado Forum. Wow. Buddy, first of all, I just want to thank you for an incredible contribution to the community locally and at large. And thank you for taking time to share your thoughts with me today. Well, thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Absolutely. So buddy, let's start at the very beginning to 1972. Okay. 
You graduated JD from Harvard University after an MBA from Dartmouth. So tell me a little bit about that young buddy's dreams and some of the key challenges that you faced and how buddy Noel overcome, overcame those challenges to accomplish those dreams. Dreams as a younger person from uh, like high school before college. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe those dreams changed. I don't know. I need to make one correction. Of course, since I'm a Dartmouth alum, the uh, graduate business school is called a tuck school, mm -hmm. um, which often doesn't get said. It's often referred to as the, the, the Dartmouth business school. But the reason I mention it is Amos Tuck for whom this school is named is one of uh, the country's leading, was one of the country's leading abolitionists. Um, and uh, for that, I'm very proud that the school named itself uh, after him. You know, as a young person, um, I had parents who were quite active in the community. And as a child, I knew my parents were very active. Uh, and I always appreciated after I was grown that they didn't tell me an awful lot about what they were doing and why um, any more than a young child or even a teenager can handle. Um, so I knew my parents loved me. I knew they were busy and spent as much time as they could with me. They didn't dwell on the difficulties of being uh, black uh, and trying to be, make your way in life in those days. They tried to protect their children like most parents did, which is a long way of saying that my dreams were not unlike other kids my age. My parents had had created uh, an environment where I felt optimistic about going forward in the future. Now, that optimism is I'm sitting here, you know, 50 years later, six, almost 60 years later. I had no idea how difficult that would be, but you have to kind of take everybody when you ask that question in the place where they were in 1964 when I graduated from high school even though Kennedy had been shot there was a great deal of optimism about the direction the country was going in the civil rights movement was having success the march on Washington was a, um, a high uh, a zenith of, of uh, what was uh, possible um, so as I started off to college, um, again, 1964, 10 years after the uh, school board, the, the Topeka school board case, the word integration had not yet become a bad word. It was an optimistic word. I was going off to Dartmouth as a, what turned out to be one of 14 black students, the largest class that Dartmouth had ever had, uh, largest component of black students Dartmouth had ever had. Uh, I started off as a young person. I guess my calling card would have been optimism. Love that. So after graduation, skipping a few years, now you're in Denver. And you became the first African-American partner of the Seventh Street Law Firms of Denver. The name of that law firm is Home Roberts and Owen, and they deserve a lot of credit because uh, I'm sure what they were deciding to do to first hire me as a law clerk, I was a law clerk there for my first and second summers, 
So I was the first black employee they had as a, an attorney. Uh, that must have been a big decision by the decision makers. Mm-hmm. Of course, as a kid trying to get a job, it was a, a big decision they made just to give me a job. But um, I began to very quickly realize the breadth and the depth of the importance of what it was to be uh, first. Okay, so tell me a little more about the breadth. I love that breadth and depth to be first. One side was an achievement. Second also was a path not as easy as everyone else. So tell me a little bit more about how you achieved that path. And if I, if I take becoming the first black attorney at Home Roberts and Owen as an example, mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the real issue is perhaps why does it take so long? Why hasn't there been somebody before facing up to the reality of America mm-hmm. and our past? And that leads us to our future. And that means that we haven't had. And when we finally do as a first, yes, that individual has accomplished something. Maybe that individual is only just there at the right place in time. But the important thing is that it gets done that uh, we get rid of segregation in any aspects, any, any places where we find it in our society. Mm-hmm. And in the business of law, that's the place where it had been. We had a handful of attorneys in Denver at the time, maybe certainly less than 10. And none were at what were known as the 17th Street Law Firm. 17th Street in Denver was where the offices of the largest law firms, indigenous law firms were located. So loosely referring to 17th Street meant you were referring to the top and largest uh, law firms in town, mm-hmm. and they didn't hire black attorneys. So one thing is, even though you were being modest to talk about, you know, sometimes you know you are at the right place at the right time. I would humbly disagree, especially with your amazing sustained back-to-back success. So to me, I think. In your early days as a professional, what, you know, how did you strive to be always be the best buddy you could be that got you all these opportunities? Sure. Here's how you strive. Hopefully you've been simply raised by people who sought to strive, regardless of what kind of success they had. If I'm describing a world in which black people haven't been given opportunities, then all those black people before me, they were striving. Mm-hmm. They were trying. They might not have been successful, but they were certainly trying. And my parents were not unlike many black parents who were teaching their children that we had an obligation to strive. The, the lesson of slavery and post-slavery is a lesson of striving. It's not a lesson of all success, but it definitely is a lesson of not letting up. I felt an obligation uh, that my parents had instilled in me mm-hmm. to do the best I could mm-hmm. to try as hard as I could. And I didn't feel I was just representing myself to end up being the first in any category, but just happened to be the one that did it. Absolutely. So now just changing path a little bit on one side, your academic resume is astounding. But then you go beyond 
of contributing back to education. And I want to talk a little bit about your passion about taking education to the next level. You have demonstrated lifelong commitment to education by serving as board president of governing body, a govern, governing board of Colorado State University, Fort Lewis College, and University of Southern Colorado. And as a member of the Tuck School of Business Board of Overseers, Colorado Commission of Higher Education, and Alumni Council at Dartmouth College, as well as Governor's Blue Ribbon Panel. Very, very impressive. What drives you this long lifetime passion of giving back to education and making education for all? I suspect if you ask the question of folks who were striving, black folks who were striving, and you ask them what was the medium, the, the boat that they were uh, trying to make sure stayed afloat, it was probably always gonna be education. It's probably the one reason that the uh, in slavery, uh, enslaved people weren't allowed to learn to read. Uh, education is a powerful, powerful tool. My mother was uh, a professor uh, at Metro, Metropolitan State College at the time, in sociology. My Her father, uh, while he was a lawyer, her grandfather was uh, also a lawyer and an educator, uh, founded a, a, a school to try to edu help educate newly freed slaves. Our family had a background in education and uh, I wanted to give back. Uh, my mother ended up being elected to the Denver School Board. Uh, she was the first black woman elected to public office in Colorado and the school board was clearly a natural choice for her uh, to do that. Uh, she later served on the Board of Regents at uh, the University of Colorado. Education was, uh, I guess, both in my blood and in my head. But the short answer is Governor Lamb appointed me hmm. uh, to the State Board of Agriculture and uh, af soon after he was elected governor in that first slate of uh, appointments he made. And uh, while I hadn't gone to Colorado State University naturally and, or the other two schools, I did want to be in a position of having a vote if I was going to be appointed by the governor to one of these commissions and boards. Um, I wanted to be on something that was in education, higher education, preferably, and where I'd have a vote. Okay. Love that. And also thanks for taking time to share about inspirations in your life, your mom, your grandpa, and it really helps me get a bigger picture about Buddy Noel. So Buddy, after practicing law for 20 years, you took three years leave to practice, you know, and from, from law to be the president and CEO of Colorado Sports Council. So what was the vision? What that made you take this break? And what were some of the lessons learned in that journey there? Well, by that time I had become, um, <laughs> I don't know how exactly to say this. I was an attorney in a large law firm, particularly as a young attorney working the long uh, hours that young attorneys were required to work. But in addition to that, I was working other hours, um, donating my time to various nonprofit 
um, opportunities. And I, I, um, it was just like 20% of my time was just built into my calendar. That was non-billable um, donated time, which I greatly appreciated the opportunity to do, but it, it was uh, clearly a, clearly a commitment. And when you ask about the, uh, the Colorado Sports Council, that really came out of an earlier sports involvement as a council for the bid committee for uh, Colorado and Denver's uh, Winter Olympic bid um, in the uh, summer and fall of 1989. I, um, I, I guess I learned a lot with that volunteer uh, involvement. And as we continued to uh, have an involvement in the Olympic movement after we lost the bid, uh, we created the Colorado Sports Council, and I started out as the chairman of the board. Mm -hmm. And then as we uh, 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 continued to, uh, I guess, progress, I became the chairman, president, and CEO uh, as we bid for other, other large projects like the uh, U.S. Olympic Committee's Olympic Festival and maybe even most importantly, the World Cup bid in soccer. So, buddy, after this, you know, looking at your legal profession with your incredible insight, vision, what makes Buddy different and successful as a legal practitioner? What's your, you know, secret sauce in that business? I, I'm not sure what the secret sauce is that would be transferable to other people. I think everybody needs to find their own sauce formula um what i thought made me a better attorney was staying involved in other parts of the social life of our community the the the, the fabric of our community um in ways that were not just as a professional attorney i thought it kept me alive and alert uh certainly kept me committed time-wise with a lot of things at one time but I was practicing law to the fullest. I was involved in uh, kind of three areas, education, uh, business development, and sports. Sports was had always been a passion of mine. Um, I was in a commercial law firm and, and commercial involvements like, you know, being on the governor's blue ribbon panel to look at the 10-year forecast for Colorado was not only important work for me, but I thought it inured to the benefit of my law firm. Um, so my, my, I guess my goal was to uh, achieve the most I could as a professional, give back to my community and try to pick areas that were uh, interesting enough to me to keep me alert and committed. Love that. So, buddy, extending that conversation, what is a common misconception about legal practice that you would like to debunk? Uh, as a common, well, one is it's not like it's seen on television. Mm -hmm. On television, it, it appears uh, that all of the legal work is what happens at the end. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the, the nice ending or the dramatic loss of something at a trial or something is a part of the process, but there's an awful lot of human hours 
that take place before you get to that endpoint. And um, it's not to say that lawyers work harder than anybody else. It's just to say that uh, uh, the the entertainment value of what lawyers do for mass media appeal is not the whole story. Um, lawyers put in um, real human hours to get to a what looks like a very short result. Mark, thank you for sharing. Scotty, who are three people or a few people who have been most influential in your life? Well, uh, I'm not even sure if these aren't categories, but 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 the first two people clearly are my parents. They, uh, the older I get, like most people, the more I realize the impact my parents had on who I am and kind of why I. Um, uh, continued in the past that I did. My dad was in World War II um, in the South Pacific uh, as a doctor uh, in a MASH unit. Um, a captain came back without, uh, you know, having fought for our country in the way that he would as a doctor, um, but um, in a segregated army in the South Pacific that left a, a bitter taste in his mouth. He was raised in Mississippi and chose not to go back there because he didn't want to deal with the hard segregation of that part of the country. And like a lot of people came West as a pioneer and while considering other places, he and my mom chose Denver. Uh, my dad was the first black surgeon with uh, hospital privileges in Colorado. And he joined the staff at, at Rose, what was then uh, General Rose Memorial Hospital. Mm -hmm which just celebrated its 70th anniversary. Um, I mentioned my mother's uh, involvement uh, with politics, but before that she was volunteering with the PTA. When she volunteered with the PTA, she'd end up on the state board of the PTA. She volunteered with the Girl Scouts. She ended up on the national board of the Girl Scouts. My mother and father displayed by their example, the obligation they felt to pull our people from one generation to the next with some ways of, of feeling improvement had happened, that that was always the goal. And so for that, that example they set, those discussions we had, that, that um, commitment they showed, mm -hmm. I have to put them as number one and, and number two. Now, whether, whether, you know, whether number three is Jackie Robinson, or whether number three is Martin Luther King, or whether Martin, number three for me are all the all the all the stalwart folks who try to improve the lives of certainly black people, but all people who try to make uh, our country a better place. Mm -hmm. I'm the generation that inherited the investment that the great generation made and i it's hard for me not to look up to that category as in, if maybe this third influential uh, person you know the great generation was born at the uh, beginning of the depression they fought world war ii they rebuilt our country they their sacrifice and investment is what my generations and generations behind me are still living off of. None of our generations have made the sacrifice and commitment that the great generation did to our country. So 
if I look up to and say who was influenced by it's it's that category of um, of folks in the subcategory of the Martin Luther Kings that that for my particular perspective were doing all they could to improve our lot. I love that, and that also is not just influential to you, but also inspirational to all of us. My mother used to say when she was on the school board that she was trying to help children, not just black children, but certainly black children, but have a better educational opportunity for all children. And I think sometimes that gets lost in um, the, the, the discussion about how we're improving our, our, uh, our country. And certainly we're identifying places where the need arises, uh, the need exists, <laughs> the end result is we're all better off mm-hmm. when the least of us are um, among the best of us. Something to really think about. Love that. You're listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Today, my VIP guest is Buddy Noah, a successful legal practitioner and avid golfer and the founder of Noel Law Office, LLC. But the bigger thing about Buddy that in this conversation I'm learning about is that he, Ballpark, always tried to put 20% of his time to contribute back to the community. And his passion area has primarily been education for all. So buddy, in this last section is about rapid questions and these are short three to seven word answers. So we will go through these very quickly. Are you ready? I hope so. (laughs) So what will be your advice, buddy, if we go beyond legal practice to anybody in any walk of life to be a successful leader? From my perspective, um, leadership is a result rather than a kind of initial decision. So I would say to a person, uh, try to learn your, learn your skill, uh, what your chosen area is, learn how to do it uh, the best you can, to know it the best you can. And as you uh, gain that experience and uh, uh, work with, talk to, get to know, be a part of the people around you, um, my guess is you and they are going to realize that you're the leader then that you might aspire to be. If you go in thinking that you want to be a leader, which is fine, um, all the more reason that you need to pay attention to knowing the skill, get the experience, and understand the people, you'll be a better leader as, as a result. So the next question, again, just three to seven words, so audience members could rapidly go through this part and get all the insights from you. You mean less, less verbose? No, it's because to me, I think if you look at the first part of the interview was like in a dining restaurant, now it is a fast food restaurant drive through. So we all are in different phases. So how do you define a big win? Um, Self-satisfaction and perhaps acknowledgement by your peers. Brilliant. What is one reason businesses fail to win big or sustain big wins? 
probably uh, more concern about tactics rather than strategic outcomes. Sheer brilliant, love that. Most leaders completely rule out some obstacles from their mind. You know, top athletes I worked with, some of them remove the word no literally from their dictionary. What is a word not in body's dictionary? Quit. Well, now maybe maybe the better word is uh, whine. So, if Buddy in 2020 could go back in time, and let's say 1964, meet that young Buddy, the kid who is just graduating from high school with incredible dreams, what's one advice you will give that young Buddy Noel? Um, well, it might be two words. Bill Hitchcock. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little more. Keep your back to the wall. Okay. Next is, you know, first thing, last thing. I've always found that successful leaders, especially, a, you know, incredible professional like you, a contributor, to have that continu continuous lifetime of success, you must have processes because without process, success cannot be repeated. So for Buddy, is there a process, like the first thing you think of or do when you start your day and the last thing you do before you're winding your work day, finishing your work day? You know, I'm a compulsive uh, list maker, so I, I have a feeling I wake up in the morning uh, from dreaming what I have to do this day and quickly uh, adding those things to the list I made the night before. So the first thing is to be completing the list and starting the day. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's taking the list of things that didn't get accomplished and making the new list. I don't want to sound too compulsive about it, but that's, I'm, I'm keeping track. I love that. Keeping track, buddy. Love that. So buddy, if you were, could be in my shoes, what question would you have asked yourself that I didn't? Well, um, let's say if I was uh, talking to somebody at my stage of life, um, the question is, or the answer has to do with, yes, I tried hard, I did my best, but I didn't succeed in all of them. So I, while I appreciate your kind words about me being somebody that someone needs to listen to, I look at it a different way. I, I put the time in. I did like uh, um, the famous football coaches I said. I tried to do my job, mm -hmm. um, but I didn't always do it well. And so I'd say to, to someone else, uh, accept your failures and uh, keep on striving. Love that. But at the same time, I also feel that we are all defined by our successes and failures. And when we don't let failures define us, that help us shape future success. So buddy, first of all, I really appreciate you taking the time today and sharing and you sharing from deep in your heart. And that truly has been very inspirational. One of the things, you know, normally at the end, I try to have multiple things, areas of nuggets that I love to share. But today I want to focus on only one thing. Okay. 
I really feel that sometimes we get too me-centric in life, business, world, where we, it's like going to a buffet towards the end with more people behind, taking more than my fair share, not worried about others. What Buddy today talked about in a very strategic way, and that's the thing I really want to emphasize, is the importance of giving back. He talked about quantity. He talked about ballpark 20% of his time all through his career he has kept for giving to his passionate areas. Second, in that, in that extension of strategy, but he also talked about that the areas he always looked at are education, business development, and sports, the three passion pillars of his life. And then he connected his business success to his give back by saying, and I quote, I want to find my own sauce by staying involved in the other parts of the fabric of life of the community. So if you just reflect on this a little more, to me, I really think that many a time we just try to engage with people in a very transactional way. But what, what Buddy taught us is if we need to stay connected with people, we really need to get engaged. And I want to again record second time for a Buddy, buddy is stay involved in the other part of the fabric of the social life of the community. Buddy, these are incredible wisdoms. Thank you for sharing. And these will stay with me forever. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to Secrets to Arjun Sen, uh, Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, and had a fascinating conversation with Buddy. And I'm also looking forward to, in the next episode, to bring you secrets from another leader, from another walk of life, from another part of the world. Until then, happy listening, and talk to you soon. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.